Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. In light of COVID-19, our regularly scheduled 9 and 11 a.m. Sunday services are currently suspended. During this time, we will live stream our 11 a.m. Sunday morning service and plan to offer other online connection points throughout the week. You can find us on Facebook or visit www.rockpoint.org for more information, including important schedule updates. All right, and we're back. Um, in the scripture, it talks about pastors as shepherds. At one point, it talks about uh, the difference between a shepherd and a hireling, uh, someone who actually genuinely loves and cares for the flock and those who are just um, paid to do so. And basically, it says when troubles come, the hirelings run away, but the shepherd stays. So I just want to assure you as a congregation that your pastors are present that we'll not only answer your call, but if you want us to come out to your place, we'll practice social distancing and proper sanitation. But uh, we're here for you, and we're not going to be going anywhere. One other thing, though, as a side note of that, is that as pastors, we are just that. We're pastors. We're not performers. And so this medium is a little different, and uh, it's not going to be slick necessarily. We're not going to reach for that. We're not shooting for ratings. We're just wanting to communicate the Word of God. I'm also told that cameras, though, add 10 pounds to a person. And since we have at least two operating right now, um, you're seeing me 20 pounds heavier than I actually am. So I'll appreciate it when you see me next that you can tell me how much weight I've lost. Um, today I want to talk to you just for a little bit of time uh, on a message entitled, Who Are You Going to Call? And one of the more insightful theological comments I've heard has come from the movie Men in Black. And in one part of the movie, Tommy Lee Jones, who plays one of the main heroes, is talking to Will Smith, one of the second heroes there, about the need to keep the fact that aliens live on Earth a secret. And Will Smith says that sooner or later, people will find out and accept it because, quote, people are smart. Tommy Lee Jones corrects him and says, a person can be smart. People are dumb, panicky, and dangerous, and you know that. Now, as unflattering a statement as that is, I have to agree in, in a lot of different ways with that. Um, so many times a seemingly smart person can become a very dumb individual and make poor choices when they form a mob with other people, particularly as it's kind of happening sometimes nowadays, whether that's conspiracy theories that are bouncing around there, don't give in to that, or whether it's the mad craze of shopping that's taking place. One person has said that this panic buying is an emotionally driven response to circumstances rooted in what is called retail therapy, according to the psychologist. It's about taking back control in a world when you feel out of control. And so that can drive us to do strange things. One of those things it can drive us to do is to call 911. 911 has evidently been taking calls across the nation for people when they are out of toilet paper. That is not the purpose, people, of 911. They've also been calling 911 to report coughers, people that are suspectedly ill because they're coughing. Again, not a purpose for 911. This is a time for reflection, for calm, for consideration potentially even for a deepening within our own heart and soul. Blaise Pascal, the French thinker, captured the essence of our lives as social creatures 350 years ago 
when he said, quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room. So as we sit quietly in our rooms, in our homes, as we take the time to pause and reflect, let us first of all be grateful. And if you encounter those at the grocery store, those cashiers that are continuing to serve, the police and the firemen who continue to make their rounds and make us safe, the physicians who are continuing to combat this illness right now, be grateful for them. Express your thankfulness to them, to all the different people, the janitors who are sanitizing and cleaning our new heroes. If Starbucks is open and you go through the drive-thru and they give you coffee, by all means, particularly thank them, because without coffee, we all are going to die, clearly. I want to talk to you a little bit about a scripture. It's found in Genesis chapter 26. And it's following a guy named Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. It says that there was a famine in the land in Genesis chapter 26. And um, in the midst of this famine, this, this wide area of devastation that was happening, everyone was sharing the same sense of loss. A concern about food, a concern about resources, they seem to be literally evaporating from them. So Isaac moves from um, where he was in what is now Israel and goes a little bit to the coastland, more out of the hills to the coastland, amongst some of the Philistines there, hoping that he can get a little bit more provisioning. At one point in time, he's evidently tempted to go down to Egypt, which was very rich and fertile, and there perhaps to find sustenance. But God tells him in verse 2 of chapter 26, don't go down to Egypt. Stay in this land for a while, and I'll be with you. I'll bless you. Now, he could have ignored what God said, but Isaac doesn't. In verse 6, it says that he stayed. He stayed in what was a very dry and barren place, and he began to depend completely upon God in this time. Moments like this, when all of the resources disappear, is a time when our dependency upon God becomes more real and known to us. It's always been present. It's the reality and the truth of existence. But too often we cover it up with all our activities, with all our toys, with all our distractions. It's in moments like this when we're forced into our quietness that we begin to realize just how much dependent upon God that we are. With all our technology, with all our ability, with all our brilliance, it's just a minuscule little bug that's bringing all of civilization to a halt in this time. Where's our bravado? Where's our ego in moments like this? In this moment of time with this famine, Isaac leans into God, and he stays in this place. But, but even with this, certain fears or anxieties come up, and he's concerned about the people around him, and he's concerned because his wife is beautiful, and he thinks they'll kill him over that. And so he presents her as his sister, and it makes it clear that he says this because he's afraid. Later, when they realize it's actually his wife, they challenge him on that and say, look, we wouldn't do anything. She's protected. You're protected. It's okay. And he says that he did this because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. So even this person who was depending upon God and following him was fearful and had an imagination and things that worked within that imagination 
to cause him to do something that he shouldn't do. In this season of time, don't let anxiety drive you. We get caught up with the crowd. We get caught up with what's taking place. Quiet your spirit. Philippians chapter 4 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your mind. It'll guard your emotions and it'll guard your thinking. And then he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, capture your imagination, capture your thinking and your emotions, and focus them on those things that are healthy and that are encouraging and that are uplifting. Don't dwell on your own um, situation. Look to help those around you. And we can brush this off as Paul just saying what he's saying, except you need to realize when he's writing this, at the time he's writing this, he's in prison. So Isaac, even though he's trusting in God to go back to him here, he's had this moment of anxiety. He's taken some action he shouldn't take. That gets corrected. Turns out that he begins to prosper heavily in this area by following God's directives. So much so that at one point in time, he begins to dig out certain wells that his father had formed, Abraham. But the Philistines had stopped up those wells and had filled them all up. And so Isaac is reopening these wells. Now, it's a little strange. Why would anybody possibly fill in wells at a time when water is so important and in an area that's so important? There are some people that are so ugly in what they're going to do that if they can't have it, they don't want anybody else to have things. And there'll be a, a, a struggle in the midst of that. It said at one point in time as he's digging in these wells in uh, verse 19 that they, they dig a well of fresh water. The late statement there's like living water. It's, it's vibrant. It's alive. There's something particular here. So they're being provided for. But the Philistines have a problem with it. And they say, no, this water is actually ours. And so he named the well Essek, which means feud, contention. So he goes and he digs another well, but they quarrel over that one as well too. So he calls that sitna, which means um, beyond a strife or a feud, it means hostility, maybe even something like anger. And so he goes on from there, it says that he, he makes another well, and no one quarrels with him over this well. And so he named it Rehoboth, which means room or a large space because he said the Lord has given us room and we'll flourish now in this land. Isaac originally goes back to the well of his father. He's looking in to see that thing that, that, that Abraham relied on. As God's teaching him, Isaac, to rely upon God and to not look for the world for his opinion, he turns back to those things of his forefather. And this is something that we should consider, that we should go back perhaps to the old wells of truth where others have found their hope in God instead of depending on the fleetingness of what's around us right now. But when we do that, our enemy doesn't want us to find that loving water. So he's immediately going to try to stop that flow. And one of the ways is by bringing you into contention with somebody else, by bringing you into conflict with someone else, by having you dwell on vile imaginations or on criticisms. 
And one of the lessons of Isaac is that as he turns to that, that old truth of his father, and as he finds that being stopped and contentious, he doesn't fight it out with these guys. He withdraws. Twice he withdraws. But he doesn't just withdraw or give up and go down to Egypt. He continues to stay where God instructed him to stay. He continues to dig well after well after well until finally he's in a place where they're not going to hassle him any longer. They kind of separate themselves and it's in this place that he finally finds a place outside of the strife that he's able to turn himself away from what's happening there and dwell entirely where God is concerned. At one point in time, the Philistines come to him later and um, they want to make a peace treaty. They want to form a relationship. They say, look, we've seen you and we see that God is with you and, and that he's working in your life. And so we want to make an agreement with you, a treaty. And so they make this treaty. At the same time, Isaac's servants are actually digging yet again one more well one more place of provisioning in this dry and barren land. And after the treaty's been signed by these people that previously had been obstructionists and in contention, they come and say, we found water. And they called it Sheba. And to this day, the name of the town has been called Be'er Sheba. It's referred to as the wealth of Oath, where they made the peace treaty, where peace was finally found and finally struck. These are the times, according to one writer, one of the founders of our nation, in 1776, he said, these are the times that try men's souls. We know that line, but do we remember the rest? He says, in the midst of December, just a few days before Christmas, the 23rd, in the cold winter of that time of 1776, when the cause was seriously in doubt, he said, these are the times that try men's souls. He goes on to say, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell, he said, like hell, is not easily conquered. Situations we find ourselves that hell has thrown at us whether it was this time in 1776 or this season of 2020 or this time of millennia past with Isaac and the barrenness of his situation, whatever is thrown at us, it's not easily conquered. Yet he goes on to write, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. And so we are in this season of time, not to be proven patriots one way or another, but to be proven whether we are in fact followers of God or not. Are we people of faith? Or are we sunshine believers? Here in the darkness of what we deal with right now, will we stay where God tells us to stay, be the people that he's called us to be? Will we remember who we are and in whose hand we find ourselves in? Will we capture our imaginations and our panic and our anxiety and we will submit that to God? 
Will we be wrapped up with concerns for ourselves or will we actually express what he expressed in concern for other people? Seneca, the younger Roman writer from time past, said, if you see a man who is unterrified in the midst of dangers, untouched by desires, happy in adversity, peaceful amid the storm, It may not be living water, but it's really good water. Will not a feeling of reverence for him steal over you? This quality is too great and lofty to be regarded as resembling this petty body in which it dwells. A divine power has descended upon that man. This is a pagan writer. A thing like this cannot stand upright unless it be propped by the divine. Unless it be propped by the divine. As we continue to walk in the season, as we stand in this time, will people look at us and say, the only way that person's standing is it must be God propping them up. <coughs> Strictly dry throat. Don't worry about it. Will they see us in that light? When the stories are told about the great shutdown, of 2020, and stories will be told about this time. What will your story be? What will my story be? Will it be one of anxiety and panic and foolishness, selfishness and greed? Or will it be a time that we have been seen to stand as the church? We said that the church is open physically. The building is present. We'll meet with you. We'll greet with you. But the reality is the church never closes. Wherever believers are being faithful, the church is open. Wherever believers are being kind, the church is open. Wherever the believers are being courageous in the name of Jesus Christ, the church is open. In whatever country, whatever place, whatever time, the church will always be open. As long as there are believers who will follow the teachings of Christ and stand in these times and not let imaginations overcome them. There will be stories told of this time. Let it be stories of the church, triumphant, thoughtful, wise, but also gracious and kind. What will you speak into this great silence? What light will you release into the darkness? What will your story be? We have an opportunity in the quietness of this moment to see things more clearly than perhaps ever before. In Venice, Italy right now, when I've been there, it's a little disturbing actually because the the waters are grimy and there's kind of a smell and other things at times. But I've been reading that with the lockdown in Italy right now that, that the boats have stopped moving and that for the first time in decades, possibly centuries, but certainly decades, that the water that was so muddy and ugly has now become clear and blue. And that life has returned to the canals. Fishes have returned. Aquatic life has re-engaged in the canals of Venice. And they said they've realized now that what was was, um, obscuring the water and, 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 and Uh, making it opaque was not pollution. It was the constant churning of the boat's propellers that were churning up the muddy bottom. And now with the boat silenced, with, with things come to a stop, all the mud has settled. The water is now clear and blue, and life has returned. In the stillness of this time, 
as the mud of our lives settles. Let this be a time when life returns. Let this be a time that we're able to see more clearly than ever before. The title of this message was, Who Are You Going to Call? I made it clear 911 is probably not the right option, but let me fill in the details for you on this right now. You see, there's one part in Isaac's journey in Genesis 26 that I didn't touch upon. There's a point in time after he's followed God and as he'd really submitted himself to him and has stayed in that place that God meets with him. And after that time of meeting, it says in chapter 26 of Genesis, verse 25, that he built an altar there and he called upon the name of the Lord. In other words, he called the Lord and worshiped him by name. But he called upon the name of the Lord. This was something that he learned from his father, Abraham, because we find in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, that he also builds an altar of the Lord and says, and he called upon the name of the Lord. So Abraham, Isaac, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7, we hear David the king saying, In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. In Psalm 55, the writer says, As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Jeremiah the prophet picks it up in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 55. I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon out of a place of isolation, out of a place of darkness. Paul continues to carry forth the same thing in Romans chapter 10 in his letter to those Romans, those Americans really, very similar to us, these Romans. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So without trying to be cute at all, I, I ask you, who are you going to call? Is it going to be 911? Is it going to be a friend or a neighbor or somewhere else? You're welcome to call us. But at the core of things really is, are you going to call upon the Lord during this time? What can I tell you? I can reference Hebrews chapter 13, 8. that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed. He's still there. He's still God. He was there yesterday. He's there today. And he will be here forever for you. Can I read to you Psalm 34, 18, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, he, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit, so that you'll know that if you call upon him, that if you're willing to stand in this time, that he will hear that call and sustain you in the midst of your barrenness, in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of whatever position you're finding yourself in. That if you dig down deep enough, that living water will spring up by the Holy Spirit and encourage you even in this time. I do know this from Psalm 20. I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed, that he answers him from heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. And then there's this line, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let me kind of update that for you. Some trust in toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Use both still. I encourage you. I implore you. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, 
But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, the people of Rock Point Community Church, we of the church in this entire area with our brothers and sisters at Woodside and Bethesda, our brothers and sisters at Grace on Maross, Hope Baptist, a string of other churches that we are in communication with during this time of fellowship. Some may trust and cherish some in horses, but we, the church of Detroit, we trust in the lame of the Lord our God. That is who we will call upon in this time. And he will answer. Even in the barrenness, even in the darkness, he will answer and sustain us. And it says, they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand. We rise up and stand. Lord, give the victory of the king. Answer us when we call. These are times that try men's souls. These are challenging moments. But in this time, stories will be told. Stories of great courage. Stories of tremendous kindness. Stories will be told of people that out of their poorness still gave to others. Stories are going to be told of this time. What will your story be? Isaac, he looked for the old truths that sustained his own father, and he discovered them. When there were those that wanted to bring him into contention and into conflict, he walked away from it. He didn't engage in it. Even with all the effort being taken from him, he walked away until he finally found that place of openness and that place of peace. But in the quietness of his own isolated moment, we find that like his father, he called upon the name of the Lord. David, later, as an ancestor, calls upon the name of the Lord. The prophets call. The apostles called upon the name of the Lord. Let it be said that the church of Detroit, that Rock Point, that we called upon the name of the Lord, that while others trusted in all these other sources, that our trust was in God, and it was not in vain. That it was not in vain. Father, I pray right now, wherever people are gathered, that, that as they hear this today, that they would be encouraged not by the artistry of my communication, God, but by the power of your word, by the impact of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we have said that we are a creative community founded upon Jesus Christ. I pray in this season of time that we would find ourselves upon you, but that we'd also find ways to be creative in our expression of your love and your grace to one another. That in this way, people would say there's something extraordinary about these people. It must be God propping them up. Who is this God? And that attention would be drawn to you, and not to ourselves. But we begin, we begin by seeking that living water that is you. By bowing before you. By putting our trust in you. And calling upon your name. Now and always. Amen. Whatever.
Every mountain move, every line be loose for your better. 
That song was written just a few days ago by Jeremy Camp, a Christian artist. Something else has already come out of this, uh, an element of creativity, a move of the Holy Spirit that shaped even that song. What else can come out that can be positive and encouraging, uplifting during this time? Keep your eyes open for that. Jeremy Camp, that same writer, after a very serious loss in his life and tragedy, the first song he wrote coming back from that was a song called I Still Believe. And the chorus is, I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. I still believe in your holy word. Even when I don't see, I still believe. Don't give up. Don't give up your faith or your belief in God in this time. Wherever you're at, he is present. We as a team will continue to be available to you. And I got a special word for those who are in the Osborne community. We haven't forgotten you either. We're already talking with our allies in the area there to see what we can do to bring relief to that area as well. Our partnership continues on. So see what God is stirring in you and what creativity may be stirring in you into how to minister in this time, whether it's the quietness of your own home and the, and the clearing of the mud and the subtleness that you're able to deep, have something deep in your own heart and soul or in your family, or whether it's in the surrounding community as we continue to mobilize as a church wisely and carefully, but continue to mobilize during this time. I would close with the first portion, actually, of Psalm 20, that section that talks about trusting in chariots and horses. Chapter 1, or verse 1 of Psalm 20 says, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob, and I'll expand on this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. There's more portions to it, but as you take the scripture off and just focus on this, I'll just give you this verse, and you can look me in the eye on this one. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. He's the same, folks. Yesterday, today, or forever. Nothing's changed. The church has handled plagues and pestilence for thousands of years, and will handle this as well, too. So... Crank up the Netflix if that's what you need. But maybe in between binging, maybe you might want to just take a Bible out and just kind of leaf through and take a look. Let there be a time of quietness in your own soul, a digging down deep until you find that living water that can refresh and encourage you in the most barren of times. Next week we'll be here. Uh, we'll continue to post things throughout the week. And we'll start each of these sessions with a little bit of a weekend update to keep you informed of what's taking place. Meanwhile, take care of one another. Be kind. Be kind. Father, I just pray your grace right now upon our community. I pray, Lord, that you strengthen particularly those who are very isolated right now. That you encourage us in, in the creativity of your Holy Spirit and how we can minister during this season of time. That we'd be found not to be summer soldiers sunshine patriots, but, but true followers of yours that would draw attention to you even in this time of difficulty. We commit these things into your hands. Guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be safe. We'll see you in a little bit.